Hello and welcome to episode 123 or 123 of Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host Mark Ray, not Mark Hamer, also known aka as Chazzy. Uh, joining me tonight are Nick and Andy. Hello. I totally blanked Hello. them. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't read quick enough. <laughs> uh, Adam is currently buried under 15 feet of snow and Mark is still cleaning the chair that Colm sat in uh, the other week. So it's just three of us tonight on the show. Uh, so guys, what have you been playing? Nick? All right. So it's been a while. Uh, so the first thing that I've been playing was uh, the PC game that was released last year called Return of the Obra Dinn. Um now, obviously, it was released by Lucas Pope, I think, the same guy who did Papers, Please, uh, yeah. which was a really, really, really good game. Um, and he's gone for something completely different that I've never, ever seen before. Um, so essentially, to fill you in, if you know nothing about Return of the Obra Dinn, you play as... Um, you play as an employee of an insurance firm uh, and you have to go to the Obra Dinn, which is a, sh- a ship, to discover... So this is set way, way back in the kind of, you know, the time of pirates. Yeah, and yeah, it's and... back in like the pirates, sort of like 1700s type era, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, so you have to go to this ship armed with a ledger and you have to figure out there was there were, I think, 60 crew members and you have to figure out how they died and at what point they died. And essentially this ledger becomes the book and the story of the Obra Dinn, uh, and you play it back. What makes it interesting is you have a pocket watch and the only way you can see what happened is to find bodies. When you find a body, you can sort of use the pocket watch to see how that person died and think this events that were going on surrounding them when they died. Okay. And that's all you have to do. You have to keep going through finding bodies and just observing and then deducting how people died and who they are as well. It doesn't tell you who people are. It, it gives you a list of names. You've got like a ledger. And you've just got to go exploring. And it, it it's a murder mystery game. It's very much like Sherlock. Um, yeah, it's like very much like sort of piecing the clues together. And exactly. Kind of yeah. Like I've heard, so whenever I've heard of like went on podcasts, like I've been talking about this for like game of the year and stuff, and it's been getting rave reviews. It's always been about how you deduce um, certain things through the environment and and kind of if you know about history and stuff, and you know about certain types of clothing in that was worn back in back in the days, then you'll you'll have a better opportunity to kind of like piece together clues and stuff and it's very historically accurate and that kind of stuff exactly yeah like certain things for example it doesn't only give you the names of people it also gives their rank on the ship so if you know about ranks you know sort of like the top men versus the gunners versus the middle decks and stuff so that where you see them the most and what they're doing in in different situations as well because you've got 60 odd deaths which means you've got 60 sort of scenes and almost pictures you can walk around in. So if you see someone working on the gun deck, then you know you can deduct pretty well that he's a gunner and not sort of, you know, the first mate or whatever. And so you've it's really just about going through the story, deducing who they are and seeing how everyone dies pretty much. One thing I've not heard about with this game, um, no, it's never ever explained 
or never no one ever kind of hints at the use of the mystical pocket watch it seems like a really it seems like a bit of a macguffin is that kind of a massive spoiler or is it kind of you know just you kind of skip past that just to get to the meat of the story it doesn't really well i've not finished the game but right. so far it's not explained the mystical pocket watch it's just it's right. given to, you get you have a box at the beginning you open the box and in it are this ledger and the pocket watch okay. and then it's kind of it's very much it the game doesn't tell you anything it's all about you just exploring and learning how to do things so when like you massively environmental storytelling exactly massively yeah. so you go over to you see the first dead body and you're instantly drawn to it and when you go over with the pocket, it sort of your hand comes out with the pocket watch. So instantly you kind of just see the pocket watch. You click uh, the mouse key as if you were going to shoot something or whatever, you know, which is always an action button. And it just gives you the little jingle and goes into the first scene. So you zoom in. Nothing yeah. ever really gets explained. I'm kind of hoping it does at some point, but it's actually not. It's not thought. I've not thought about it until you just mentioned it. So, I'd... right, okay. It's one of those ones where it it leaves everything to you in your imagination and how curious you are. Then I'm guessing, probably, yeah. I mean, there, there yeah. are a lot of things later on are very much pr- given to you. Um, there's a lot of deaths. You see exactly what and who killed who sort of thing. Um, and it, it gets quite um, mystical, mythical um, in, right, okay. in some of the things that there's... Lovecraftian, that kind of like sort of, you know... Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I don't want to give too much away because it is... It, the, it can get quite spoilery, I think. Um, it's best to just sort of say... It does sound like you just don't want to... You, Everyone I've ever spoken to, it always sort of dances around it. So I don't want to kind of... Yeah, it, it's, it's such a hard game to talk about because you want to talk about it, but you also don't want to spoil it for other people that haven't played it and might play it. And I do I do really recommend it. It's such a good game because especially if you just like uh, sort of crime detective type stuff anyway, which I, I quite like yeah. anyway. Um, it, it's really talk good. Talk to me about the art style because the art style on this... Yeah. It's quite unusual. Yeah, so and, and essentially the art style is um, sort of old computers, but in th- it's vector graphics. Um, so it's all drawn in vectors. And you can also change the color scheme, I'm, I want to say, uh, to be different old computer styles, I guess, because you, you can yeah, have like the old, old Apple Mac so- and stuff. And yeah. I can't remember what else is in there, but it's it's... Yeah, it, it's different, and I think that kind of lends to the frame in which the story is told. I don't, I don't think, yeah, it could work. It any lends an atmosphere the way. Yeah, yeah, well, that's fantastic. So, how how far are you into it? Um, so I have roughly probably uh, about. <laughs> A quarter complete, as in I've figured out a quarter of the deaths and who people are, but I've right, seen okay. a lot more of the story um, because... How do you know you've completed a, a section? So what happens is you write your deductions into the um, ledger and then they're validated in in threes. 
So when you get okay. three correct, there's sort of a little scene that plays where it flips through the journal, the ledger, and it'll tick them off. Okay. Um, but only when you get three correct. So if you've guessed three and it's not come up, you know you haven't got those three correct. Right. Okay. Um, which is quite a nice little thing. If it told you, obviously, after every single one, you could just brute force it. But because it yeah. does it in threes, it, it makes it harder to work out pretty much. Does the um, let's see if that stars look, looks really good. Does the world fill in as you discover more and more of the depths and piece together the puzzles and stuff? Does it like start filling it in a bit like I don't know, like colourful and yeah? Know, I was thinking more like unfinished swan, like the, yeah. you know how, you, how you, like you you fire paint out into the world and that had a kind of crazy art style. And the more mm. you the further you went, the more you know the more the world. it revealed itself to you not not really i mean it's set out in kind of levels um so you've got like the first level where you get to the obradin and then each time you click through the pocket watch is a different level so you sort of go down um another depth sort of thing so it, it kind of almost builds a tree up of the timeline and the scenes you can see in a scene you might only be able to go on one deck for example and then you've got a sort of work out how to get through you can go back to the main deck where um you can see all the bodies and stuff eventually piling up sort of thing um <laughs> as it were but then when you're actually in the chapters uh there's doors to get back and then you just click through to get to different depths and get, and progress in the story it's, it's it's interesting to say that um like lucas pope with like papers please and this he, he seems to be all about trying to evoke atmospheres mm. and and yeah. reactions out of people and um and but but with very little like he's trying like you know he's trying to do it with trying to get the most reaction out of them some uh, most minimal gameplay design and um that's absolutely fascinating to me it's that's a great great design aesthetic to have yeah it, it is he you know? he's confident with what he does and putting mm. as little on screen as possible um which is is just a really good game designer. Fantastic. So do you think it's uh for as much as you've played like it, it's what it, sort of uh, getting all these sort of game of the year nominations and stuff. Yeah. Do you think it's well worth of that? Definitely. I mean, if I know it came out last year but I didn't play it until sort of Christmas just after Christmas. So if I would have played it and more of it anyway, uh it would have definitely been up in my top 5 probably um of nice so you know give give yeah. us 10 months and i'm sure it'll be kicking around still i was gonna say i've been kind of like i'm in an iron over it but it's that whole thing of like trying to get me in front of a pc and it feels like one of those games where i need to kind of have a sunday like a, a saturday night <laughs> where i'm in on my own i turn all the lights off and i just disappear into the world sort of thing and and like yeah i'm just waiting for that steam sale where that it just suddenly goes right. That's it. This is the weekend I'm going to play it. Yeah. Is it not coming out on consoles then? He's not announced anything at the moment. Oh. Uh, I, there's the way you navigate the ledger and stuff. Uh, obviously, there's some cursor movement, but these days you're getting more and more cursor movement on consoles anyway. Like Des- the Destiny UI and the Anthem yeah. UI, they're all uh, cursor driven. I don't see why it couldn't be ported to consoles quite easily um i mean you know there's 
lots of key that's, bindings. That's just more time and resources, isn't Ooh. it? I mean, if you're you're kind of a one man, two man band or whatever, like that's just having the time, you know, and the, and the money to kind of diversify. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it'd be great yeah. on Switch. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> with that touchscreen, that'd be amazing. So, so what else have you been playing? Uh, the only other thing I've been really playing is uh, Moonlighter, uh, okay. which I I'd not really heard of it, um, and then it popped up over Christmas. Um, essentially, there's two sides to this game. There's a dungeon crawl aspect, which is very much like uh, Binding of Isaac. Okay. And then there is a merchant side which sounds a really strange mix, but it's actually really good. So what you do, the essential... So is, it, so is it like a twin stick shooter type situation? So you have, you mainly have swords um, and you right, can get yeah. a bow and arrow as well and, st- and crossbows and stuff, but it's top, it's top down um, for, you know, two dimensional yeah. uh, and dungeon crawly t- the typical randomly generated like kind of like rogue legacy so what you do is you go through crawling through the dungeons to uh, killing monsters and collecting loot and then when you get out you can sell that loot in your shop which obviously gives you money which you can then drive into upgrades and getting better swords and stuff like that and also upgrades for your shop Every time I try and explain this game to to people, <laughs> I think it sounds awful. But it's yeah. got this really amazing loop of you know you're going into the dungeons, you get you get an extra two levels down maybe um, because each dungeon it is, I think there's five dungeons or types of dungeon, um, and then. So each of those are they procedural they they change every time I'm guessing yeah the procedural uh so the, the yeah. different types so the first one's the golem dungeon which is obviously rocks and stuff there's a forest dungeon there's uh, a tech dungeon stuff like that and then each dungeon has three levels and a boss um so obviously when you you know you kill the boss you sort of move on to the next dungeon or you unlock it um so yeah it's it's just a really fun time waster i've got it on the switch uh but it's available on ps4 as, and i think xbox as well um oh, nice. but it's it's just a really fun loop of um you know exploring and, and then sort of management yeah exactly the of it. and a lot of the things it does really well is things that other games don't for example you, there's a blacksmith, so obviously um, you can pay him X money and a few materials to craft you a better sword. But the thing, there's a few nice things about it because there's different types of material you need. If you add uh, a sword to your wish list, then it marks in your inventory when you have the materials you want. So you know oh, not okay. to sell those, for example. And also you've got a chest in the back of your shop and to actually go and craft a sword, you don't need to have the materials in your inventory that can just be in the chest. Oh, okay, Which is, so that sounds, I'll tell you what, that, that sounds like Dragon Quest Builders is, is kind of like that. Oh, okay. Well. I've not played that. Where? Yeah, yeah, it's very it's very good. So like you have like sort of stuff in your uh, your chest and it just instantly uses it. You don't have to kind of run back, yeah. pick up X amount and ferry stuff around. It will just do it. Exactly. It, it's such a small thing, but it, it's it saves so much hassle. Yeah. No, great, great little sort of. I love, I love stuff like that. That kind of like 
um, ease of use stuff that people just build in and you know that like they've just played that game to the nth degree and just yeah honed it yeah sounds, sounds very honed to me nice so is that everything you've been playing um I think so to be honest <laughs> I play it I know you were saying it's been a while it, it's been a while it, it's just like I was saying to you before we started recording it's just motivation and finding the time to sit down especially with the PS4 it's just like once you've got it turned on and you've it's done any updates it needs to do and you've chosen the game you want to do, I sort of get 10 minutes in and think, oh, I can't be bothered to play this. The lament of the lapsed game. Oh, no. Yeah, I know that one far too far too well. The amount of times I've gone, right, I'm going to play a bit of Dragon Quest. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, no. Back to Apex Legends. Yeah. That's comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, what have you been playing, man? Okay, so I've been playing this on enough for the last few months. I haven't really mentioned it yet, but um, it's one I've been progressing with my brother, so it's been like uh, every time he visits, we do a little bit more and we're getting a bit closer to the end. And It's called Victor Vran. This is top-down Diablo-like um, explorer, a bit like what I played last year in Vikings. It's sort yeah. of on that same level of um, development, you know, mid-tier. Essentially, you play this character called Victor Vran. There's no cutscenes, it's just comic book like still art type of thing and a bit of a voiceover um, and you just essentially go around hacking and slashing and killing demons and vampires and all sorts you pick up weapons you improve them some pretty um, effective effects you know when you, especially this hammer I managed to pick up um, causes is it like Diablo where you get like the AOE you get the kind of you know blue blue weapon you know Purple weapon, gold weapon, you know, all that I'm kind of stuff. I'm not sure, because I've never played Diablo 3. Oh. So, yeah, it's still in the um, wrapper, as, as they call it, on the shelf. <laughs> Get the it unwrapped. It's and, decent. Uh, and, uh, Especially on the consoles. Like It's one of the best implementations of that um, of, of uh, a hack and slash control system. Right. It's brilliant. Yeah, it really controls well. I'm going to have to, but um, essentially... You do have to play about the inventory of it to find out which one's the best weapon, but I managed to find out this one's a really good one, and you've got the long-range shotguns, which my brother tends to favour. I tend to get up close and personal with a hammer. I was going to say, is there a lot of sort of good ways to compare weapons, or is it one of these ones where you have to keep backing in and out of menus? Um, Talking of ease of use with, you know, uh, with Nick earlier. Yeah, there's only really one menu as such, and you sort of do... Um, just have a quick look, and it just does. It is quite easy, you know. You, yeah. you eventually see, oh, like this one's your best one. It's it's not like when you sort of damage. float over a weapon and it shows you two different, like yeah. you know, it shows you the next weapon to it or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm quite happy with this one. I'm essentially just going around exploring. I've got the physical version, which I think comes with the Motorhead DLC. <laughs> okay, wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so um, I'm assuming, like, as in Motorhead, the band, like, not, yeah, not so come out. Yeah, yeah, okay, the fine. band. Right, I, that, I, I was right. Okay, so, so what, what's involved in that, man? I have no idea because I'm. I think it might be extra <laughs> levels or something. Like that you play maybe, maybe to fight the band or something. I'm not sure. But when um, I complete the game and I get to the DLC, I'll let you know. But yeah, it comes with Motorhead DLC. I was going to say, so, so Lemmy, they've obviously just injected Lemmy straight out of Brutal Legend and yeah. straight into this. That's it. And I was like, <laughs> I think it's got a physical release and stuff. 
All right, fair enough. And it's good to get these type of games. It doesn't matter how bad they are, but they're always good fun when you're playing with somebody else. Mm. Yeah. Just going around yeah. and hacking slashing. It's you know, you don't have to be Diablo three top of the tier game. It just it can just be something that you just play together. So yeah. it's a lot. Of fun. This was that was I was saying earlier to Nick that when I was uh, doing honourable mentions, uh, I did a a pilot episode that never got aired, uh, and it was actually on Victor Vran. Mm. And um, yeah, it's one of those games that a lot of people have, have said, like, it's it's not a shining example of the genre, but it's one of those solid, it's just solid yeah. all the way through. And yeah. kind of, for, for the price it is and the fun you have, you, you really can't go wrong with it. Uh, I picked it up second hand. I think it was a, was it, what which um, store closed last year? That narrows it down. <laughs> um, Granger <laughs> Games. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Granger Games, and they closed down. And I think Music Mag- Magpie might purchase loads of stuff off them, loads of stock off them. All right, gotcha. Uh, and then they were just selling it all off for really cheap. You know, That's so. You just swooped in. So it was just like six quid, I think it was, for physical version. Oh, so, you, can't, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, it's like a expensive iOS game. It's like a pint, is it? It's just about. Yeah, man. <laughs> so that's good. So, uh, so. Good fun with Victor Vran. So, uh, so what else have you been playing? What have you what else um, has caught your attention? Yeah, well, last year I did play a couple of um, Telltale games: Batman, Game of Thrones. One was good, one was shit. Um, <laughs> so I've been looking um, to play something else, and I've had it for a little while. Downloaded it, um, King's Quest. Um, not the okay. original. It's the 2015 to 2016. Remake. Do you have any history? With the King's Quest games, because I, I don't. I, I this is one of those series that I've, I've always heard of, but never actually got involved with. I don't. I keep meaning to go back and have a go at them. You know, they always intrigued me. Um, yeah. but, but from what I understand, this isn't um, anything like the original. I was going to say so. Game. This is more the lineage of the Telltale games that drew you in, rather than the, the IP itself. Well, bit a bit of both. Okay. You know, because I've always been intrigued by the IP, but this one, from what I understand, doesn't follow the original IP. It's just taking the name and done a new spin on it and followed the Telltale thing, but done it a lot better. Okay. You know. um, I've only played episode one, um, A Night to Remember, and I think, I believe this one is free um, okay. to everybody, because um, there's a season pass involved. Um Essentially, you play a character called Graham, and it's done um, in a sort of like a Princess Bride type of um, style. Nice. Where you are in the future, um, the present day as such, and you're talking to your granddaughter about the past. Um, the graphics remind me of, um, especially the one with the dragon, of um, Dragon's Lair. You know, that cartoony... Very comic book. Yeah, very comic book style. Don Bluth, kind of, yeah. I'm not saying the graphics are outstanding, but it's, you know, it's it's better than Telltale, put it this way. Um, The writing is is funny, and it's a mixture, like, of Princess Bride and Monty Python um, type of humour. Right. So... Does it land? Is it... Is it... It lands. Your kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it lands more often than it not. You know, you've got these trolls. Just, so one of the things is we've got trolls that are like um, bridges and you have to, every time you want to cross a bridge, 
when there's, when there's no troll there, you have to blow his horn and a troll arrives from the bridge you walk across. Um, but they're on strike at the moment because they're complaining about the knights walking um, over them in their boots and they're having meetings and stuff. And <laughs> So <laughs> it's that type of humour which is very stupid, very Monty Python-esque, yeah. um, but um, very funny. And I'm not saying the um, options you've got and the um, in terms of your decision-making will affect the story to a greater or less to a greater extent. But I'm just playing through lineage and lineage and it is, and it is very good. It's probably probably the best one I've played so far of that type of Telltale Zilk. Is this gonna make you purchase the full season? I've already purchased the full season, so I purchased oh, before, okay. I, I purchased the full season when it was cheap before I even played the rest right. of it. Oh nice. So, well no, it'd be interesting to see like how you get on with it, see if it see if it holds up all the way through the series. Yeah, I mean, I've started episode two. Um, it's quite funny how it's already started off with the same sense of humour as it continues nice. with episode one. Yeah, it's one of those games that, uh, it, to me, it's always looked from the outside looking in like it's uh, like the modern uh, Monkey Island reinterpretations. Yeah. And they can be very hit and miss. Mm. So mm. I'm, I'm hoping, like you know, for your sake, that it's um, this has a bit more consistency to it across the board. I mean, that'd be... Yeah, like I said, and I think if you're a big fan of Telltale games, or even if you're a big fan of this type of game, you want something a bit different. It, episode one is free; you can play yeah. it. It's about five hours, so it's, it's not just no, uh, no. get your money's uh, well, get your not money's worth. Yeah, <laughs> I think the whole thing's about twenty hours of looking. So you're going to get a fair chunk of gameplay, and you're going to make a decision of saying, "Well, yeah, I quite like it. Or you don't. If you don't, you don't." But it yeah. is fun. It's easy. It's an easy game to play and it's some puzzles along the way that you know that you will have to solve oh good fun so oh, that's good oh, good fun I so looking down the, I can say looking down our list though um, I see a very 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 good game as your th- third game yeah Firewatch yes this is a superb game yep very good so this was i remember first seeing this i think it was sony's e3 presentation i can't remember a few years ago it must have been about 2015 yeah. 2014 yeah they had it on Where an indie, it, mon- indie montage yeah and it looked fascinating and watched the trailer really good and it's that style um which i do like um one of the directors is ollie moss um, yeah, he did. Ollie Moss is someone who is one of my absolute idols of kind of yeah. illustration and, and art and stuff. I've got his. Um, I bought his, one of his prints. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got. Uh, he did a game of the year um, bunch, uh, like three illustrations for game of the, his game of the year last year. Oh. And he did one was a Mario, like take uh, his take on Mario uh, Odyssey. One was his take on Breath of the Wild, and the other one was PUBG. Oh. so i bought the little zelda breath of the wild one um in it but they were like limited edition there's mm. like he had him up for a day at 30 dollars right. and once that day had finished that was it you could never buy him again <sighs> so um yeah i've I, I absolutely adore a lot of his stuff like some of his like the stuff he did for frozen and yeah like, his art he's got a very distinct very clever art style he's like if you ever see his diehard nakatomi plaza um, yeah it, yeah, it's it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So he's he's lent this just fantastic um, posterized style to this game, and there's very warm tones and stuff. And yeah, yeah it's 
It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, so yeah, he was, and it's the guys from basically it's it's he's the art director, and then he was drafted in by Campo Santo, who are Sean Vanneman and Jake Rodkin and Chris Remo did the soundtrack. Right. So they're the guys who did Idol, the Idols Thumbs podcast. Mm. So I used to listen to that. So you would hear them talking about their thoughts on game development and then playing this game and then seeing those things come into fruition. If you're, you kind of, yeah, it was weird. It's, it was a really weird experience for me, sort of, you know, to, their, their ways of telling narrative and stuff in a game was, yeah. And then hearing that in, in development and then watching it play out is really interesting. Yeah. So I do like Holly Moss as well. You know, he's one of my favourite artists. And when you look at his movie posters and the, interpretations he does take on them they're really um really great so the artwork of the game follows his artwork he didn't do all the artwork but he just it follows his and likes every he art directs it, it doesn't yeah. it yeah um it's really good um story is brilliant start i have to say it's quite a tragic yeah thing, that really. the way that starts is one of the most it's up there with like the start of up yeah, the film up where and and then and they're not doing it through a cut scene, no. and they're not doing it through anything else other than a text adventure. Yeah, uh, um, and the the emotion. I mean, it's an old game, and, and I'm I'm giving it away slightly, but the way they derive emotion through that mm. is is incredible. It's just all p- pure storytelling. It's wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that's that you've got certain decisions to make and stuff, and um, it's all about your wife, and part of the reason is that's why you are in the. Um, okay, okay. You basically go off to the national forest yeah, to kind of be a ranger, don't you? Or to like be a, a, you know, observer, look out a fire marshal for about three months, essentially. Yeah. So um, the only <coughs> progression or source of progression really is you're in constant contact with another lookout um, called Delia, is it? I can't remember. Yeah, I can never remember the night. I'm terrible yeah, with names Yeah, I think it's Delia. So it's, Delilah, Delilah, it's, a female, it? it's a female lookout Delilah. in the tower next to you. Yeah. Delilah. Yeah. Um, and that's your one lookout and your one story progression throughout the game. Um. So, I really liked it, the start. Um, as the game got on, I did feel it got a bit strange. And I think, I think I had this really solid start. And I think somewhere throughout, towards the end, they sort of boxed themselves in. Yeah, that's with the, the storyline. Uh, I'm assuming you've completed it. Yeah, I've completed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... For me, um, it, it starts off really strong and and really does kind of um, play... All the way through this game, it's always playing with your expectations and mm. what you expect a video game to do. Mm. And then completely either subverts them or makes a massive joke out of them. Yeah. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And it always keeps you on the edge and always keeps you thinking. Mm. But by the end, like you say... It's take it. It's throwing out what you think is a twist to then completely undercut that. Yeah. And rather than being a revelation or making you feel, I think they were trying to make you feel silly or uh, 
like like you'd overstretched. Yeah. And at the end, I think what it ends up that you actually feel like you've just been completely, uh, what's it? I don't know, just kind of let down a bit. Yeah. And, and it'll just sort of, and here's the end. Yeah. I mean. It rushes to the end a bit too quick. I do agree with you, but is that not what Henry was feeling? This is this is the thing is you've got yeah. to really start you've got to really start breaking it down. It depends how super like you were saying before with the other game you were talking about is where uh, Oberdin where you've just you've not really sort of as you've played through the game you're just taking in all the all the information. It's only after the event when you start breaking things down and start really analysing it that it kind of yeah starts to make more sense. Yeah, I mean, and I think. Obviously, Oberdin gives you that chance because that is the game, whereas Firewatch, you're in his shoes for maybe a two or three hour game in the end. Yeah, yeah. four hours or so. You're being, yeah. you're being fed a, a narrative, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. You, you don't... In, I mean, I don't think it's any spoilers or anything to say that you don't have any control of the narrative, really. No. Uh, while no. you can... You can choose between, like, three or four different programmed responses to her... Um, to what she says over the walkie-talkie, you don't have any direct control to how it plays out. No. Uh, and I think that's probably one thing that a lot of people had quite a lot of criticism with, is it gives you a false sense of control, almost. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't have an issue with the way it plays out with female and everything. Because I, I do remember, I remember when I finished it, it was like, there was an issue with the game and people were outcry, massive outcry about it and disappointed with the ending and such. I'm not... So first, I think it's more to do with the fact that they do lead you up the garden path with yeah. you are being observed, essentially. Mm. You know, there's this massive thing of, right. Who is watching the watcher? Yeah. And yeah. There's, a, there's a note, you discover a notepad, you discover recordings about yourself. So there's all this happening and you think it's building up to something and then it doesn't build up. Yeah, like I say, it completely undercuts it. Yeah, and but it undercuts it in such a way that it undercuts it with a tragedy. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's not as if it's like it undercuts it with something a bit like a joke or something. Else. It comes the to- one thing I would say, though, even though like we're, we're talking about oh, how disappointing like it was nearer the end, that whole journey yeah. through that, and as you're discovering things, it is wonderful. Yeah. It is, it, it's it's one of the few times it's that there's pure exploration really does help the narrative. Mm. You know, it's one of those games that I absolutely love. That's the thing I want. I want a game that basically lets me go round, wander wherever I like, but also tell Ooh. me a story while I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, this is just that in bucket loads. The, and like yeah. I say, it's, it's done with a, it's done with precision, which I absolutely love. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a, another game that, is incredibly similar because it subverts your expectations of what it's meant to be and that's gone home i don't know if you two yes, have played it which is no, another no, one no, of their no. friends actually made that and i think chris remo did the soundtrack for that as well yeah i think i think he did um but it's just again it's a, a walking simulator if you want to call them that but it, the expectation when you walk into a house in the middle of the night and there's thunder and lightning going on and there's creaking all over the house because it's an old house it plays on 
you know, um, the horror game tropes. Yeah. In the same way that Firewatch plays on the, you being, well, very much the same beats it tries to land. It tries to land the horror Ooh, ones. It tries to make you feel movie, like someone's yeah. watching you and the following the 13th. you. Yeah. And it, I don't know about you two, but when I played Firewatch the first time, at least, I very much felt like I was being followed and I was scared. Um, I was genuinely scared and I didn't want to turn around in case there'd be someone there and I didn't have anything. You normally have a weapon in a game to defend yourself with. And it was an incredible sense of... Vulnerability, isn't it? Vulnerability, yeah. Mm. that they, They managed to achieve just through a few bits of storytelling and it's incredible yeah yeah just just locking you yeah. out of certain things that you again like things you would expect like oh there'll, there'll be an axe here but you actually go to the you know the where where an axe would be and yeah. you open it up and someone's left a note saying sorry just borrowed the axe i'm gonna bring it back in a week you know that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff it's it's, it's brilliant I, I love all that but it's, it's interesting yeah. to see as well that um that these guys have been bought out by steam they're now part of uh, Valve. Oh, Valve. Right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Campo Santo. So they announced their new game that's coming out in... at some point. It's they're with Valve now. So yeah, it's Valve there was time. a trailer at e- an E3, I believe, and it was called "In the Valley of the Gods," and it's all about yep. sort of going through Egyptian tombs and stuff. So that looks really interesting. Oh, it it Seem to be like two archaeologists sort of thing. Yeah, and... female female archaeologists. If I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them had really frizzy hair that. Had really nice physics applied to it by the looks of it, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm really like knowing what they've done, sort of uh, with Firewatch. I'm so interested to see what like in the Valley of the Gods will be. The other good thing about that as well is uh, they took Ollie Moss with them. Okay. Oh. Uh, so cool. he he's he works at Valve with them now. Yeah, so so. Um, I'm sure he'll. I mean. Obviously, in the Valley of the Gods, looked like it was quite Olimos inspired, anyway. But yeah. I'm sure he'll be there putting mm. his touches on it as well. So hopefully, yeah, that'd be awesome. That's good. It is a good. I mean, it is a good game. I can't complain. It's a. Sh- it doesn't doesn't outstay its welcome, but it's weird. Yeah, it's a quick. Um, the one thing I would say is it's a very quick game. So even yeah. if you are, if you do get frustrated, like by the end of it, you can you can only put it down to a few hours and yeah, you know, sort of and be happy with it. Yeah. And it achieves what it's out to do. I'm not. Uh, I'm not one of these people who is going to mass complain because the storytellers and the directors and everyone set out to tell the story. I mean, it achieves what it's out to do. But there is that sense of yeah, maybe <laughs> thing. The one thing. I, the one thing I am totally gutted about was no bears. You want to? I've been a vicious mauling at some point. Well, no, I've been in these woods before, and I've met two bears. You know, there's bears everywhere in America. So I just, what you do in your own private time is up to you. Oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's recommended to a lapse game. It's good. Yeah, man. Right. So we better move on to the only game I've played in the last God knows how long. Um, and that is the game that everyone is talking about. So um, I'm going to bore you, silly, because you've probably listened to a million other podcasts that talk about it. But it's um, Apex Legends. The game that was stealth announced by Respawn. So EA didn't see fit to just release one multiplayer shooter in the month of February. They decided to release two. 
which you know has echoes of when Battlefield and Titanfall Two came out, and Battlefield just ate Titanfall Two's lunch. Yeah, they're now repaying the uh, the kindness that was done to them by eating <laughs> Apex, uh, eating um, Anthem's lunch. By the looks of it, mm. so. Yeah, we we heard rumours that this was coming out, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a battle royale game based in the Titanfall universe came out, and everyone was like, "Right, just get it downloaded, have a look at it." People are the people who kind of went off and did their early previews on it and stuff were absolutely raving about it and said, "Like, you've got to play this game." So, what was it in the first week? Like ten million people jumped in and got involved, oh, yeah. and um, but, but as of time of recording they're up to sort of 25 million people have downloaded it and um yeah and they've got like 2 million concurrent users which is just off the planet Not amazing so. amazing figures for a, you mm. know for a game that is essentially free you know it's got microtransactions um you know they are there but this game is not hampered by them this isn't it, it, it never feels like you need to spend that money, which is great. But it's just so solid. Such a solid game. And um, like it is just Titanfall 2 minus mm. the Titans and a Battle Royale game. So if you like your PUBGs, you like your Fortnites, then this is the game for you. But you're a bit more of a kind of, you know, you like your military shooters a bit more. Um, this is the one to go for. I've had some absolutely incredible experiences in this game um, and mainly due to the fact that um, the teamwork in this game is, it seems to be holding up and people seem to be staying together and being, there's part of the game design is forcing you to stick together and part kind of, I think people just realise that right now, sticking together and working as a team is the only way you're ever going to really truly survive because this is <laughs> what makes this game unusual is as a battle royale is that you're not an individual you have to play as a squad and um there was like a tweet that was put out that was saying like oh how do you feel about doing solo like we make buckets that are solos duos and you know trios and quads and the outcry like no don't mm. do solos you know the this game has to stay as like you know group play because you know it's that's what this game is all about so i think hopefully fingers crossed they're going to keep it that way but it seems as though this is being used as, as a real experiment to kind of this game will grow and evolve and become something completely new and it feels incredible mm. like the gunplay feels incredible that's ripped over from titanfall 2 that game is probably one of the best like sort of feeling uh first person shooters you can get mm. You know, you're adding in the hot battle royale mode and it's an absolute, you know, match made in heaven. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, the teamwork, uh, listening to like the kind of, I've been listening to all kinds of like podcasts just solely about Apex Legends. I've gone full down the, you know, the rabbit hole about <laughs> it. Um, you know, like watching YouTube, all the YouTube videos, all the strats, all the strategies, all the kind of guides. And, and I don't do that a lot, like, I'm not one of these. I'm not one of these guys. Normally, I just jump in, and especially on first-person shooters, where I sort of just jump in and go, "Oh right, uh, how does this feel? Okay, right, I've got shot a few times. I'm not very good. Right, I'll just put it down and walk away." But with this, I'm, I'm in. This is like this did the same thing that Destiny One did for me, where I was just like, "No, I want to be in this. I want to be involved, and I'm. This is my game for a year." 
So, um, yeah, it's it's just incredible. And the way that they use, apparently part of the design um, ethos they had, they just sat down for like a week and said, right, no voice comms. We want to be able to play this yeah. with each other and know exactly what the intent of the other players are doing without any voice comms and you can only communicate through the game. So they've invented this pinging system where you point at stuff, very much like Battlefield, where you, you're uh, marking targets. But now it's contextual, so different things that you point at. It will say, like, here's a, there's a bin over here full of weapons, or there's a building, or let's go over here, or enemies over there. And it, you're always getting barks and little snippets of information that are helping you just keep together as a team and keep informed of what's going mm. on around you. And like I've said, I've I've turned my mics like I have no mic on. I don't listen. I've never spoken to anyone in this game, but I've felt such a camaraderie with people I don't know just through that pinging system. It's oh, it's just fantastic. It's just a brilliant idea that more first-person shooters I'm hoping will take up on because it's it's br- it's awesome, awesome. It mm. just opens the game up and doesn't make you feel so um, isolated. Mm. but um yeah I, I can't say i mean i don't i'm just going off on one because it's just like it's the big new exciting thing that i've just sort of stumbled into but the one thing i did want yeah. to talk about was the market i'm come from a marketing background that's what i do and the marketing of this game has been phenomenal because if you think about it what they've done essentially is um not given the internet time to think or moan about it. If they'd have announced this three months ahead of time, everything, yeah. you know, the internet would have jumped on it and you'd have had people going, oh my God, there's no Titans in it and it hasn't got this and little bits Ooh. of information would be leaking out and all the snipes would be coming in and people would have made their minds up before this game hit. But they decided, no, we're just going to announce it, bang, it's out, day one. And that has, under, again, undercut all the people... All the naysayers, all the naysayers did come out on the first day and go, oh, this hasn't got wall running, it hasn't got Titans in yeah. it. And it's, but they were all downloading it because it was the new hotness because everyone wanted to have their little snark and they all got in and they all found that it was absolutely pointless to have those things in and they didn't have an argument. And I just think I mean, that's such a brilliant way to A, drum up interest because it's the new hotness, but also completely undercut all the trolls. Just just an awesome piece of marketing and PR and I'm hoping that they are that savvy all the way through the lifetime of this this game and they make the announces of the battle passes and they they give you the right things at the right times when things are starting to lag and and, and lull and um yeah I've I've got very very high hopes for the future of this game yeah I mean I, su- I suppose they were able to do that because they know they've got a good product. They know that mm. this is such a good game because they've been playing it for behind closed doors for however long they've been. You can tell it's been fine tuned and stuff. Like I say, it's in the mm. Titanfall Two engine anyway. So Titanfall Two, as you already said, was a yeah, great source, game. isn't it? It's Best based... shooting anyway. Yeah. They they knew what they had and what again. I mean, I'm not from a marketing background, but what I found was quite interesting was the same thing of how they let all of the sort of influencers and Twitch streamers play the game early. Yeah. And then what was interesting was when it launched, they paid some of them sort of the 
top 100 or whatever Fortnite yeah. players to play Apex Legends for the first day. Yeah. But then after that first day, they didn't need to pay them anymore because they were loving they were, the game so much. Well, a lot of the, apparently as well uh, with the influence, influencers thing, uh, they got a load of them in to actually help out with the development and actually sort of give their thoughts on what should be in the game, what shouldn't be in the game and kind of how to make it cool and interesting for the general public. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it just sounds like they've just made every decision and they've just not necessarily lucked out, but they've just mm. picked the right, you know, they're the left or the right choice and they've, they've picked the correct choice every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Did they have to release it early though? Because it was, there was some rumours of it coming out. I don't know if it says something. <sighs> I'm not entirely Ooh. sure. I think it was basically like they were just going to, it was literally just going to come out that day and no one yeah. was going to know anything about it. And I think someone got like they'd, they'd had people like uh, I know they'd sent the like Brad from Giant Bomb had gone down there like a week mm. early, so they'd had a bunch of guys going down early to like sort of review it and preview it. Mm. But I think someone broke ranks, and from what I've mm. heard, they had different NDAs depending right. on who they were. So the influencers right. were allowed to talk about it six hours or whatever before. Whereas the traditional video game press media weren't allowed to talk about it until later, which is inter- it's an interesting point, That's, really. Mm, yeah. Yes. Because um, you obviously get your traditional press that's, you know, like your Giant Bomb and your Polygon Kotaku and all of that, who you would traditionally go to. Where, mm. Do you know what I mean? You, you're releasing a game, oh, we'll get, you will invite IGN and, and Kotaku and Polygon and everyone and get them to write it up. But now it's... The way that people find out and talk about games is kind of changing, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, becoming so more influencer Twitch driven. Yeah, yeah. But partly that, if you look at the situation, is because for, we got if we've got a different NDA and we're allowed to speak it before the press is allowed. It's a bit unfair, mm. isn't it? It's just like yeah, but it's really got it, some parity between them both. Yeah, but. For as well marketed, I mean, like you market a game and you can have, like, you know, Assassin's Creed 1 is, the, is always the one that's held up as the most amazing piece of marketing because that game is utter drivel. But yeah. they marketed it so well that it's sold by the bucket load. And um, marketing will really help a game. But this, like you said earlier, they have a product, it's decent. Like the characters in it, every single, like, sort of, um, uh, yeah, like, sort of legend that is in this game is unique, different, has its own style. And you, you kind of adapt yourself. Like I, I play in a certain way. I'm, I play very well with a guy called Gibraltar. who's the kind of tank of the group. You know, um, you've got like a couple of, you've got healers, you've got just pure assault classes, all with their own special moves and abilities. It's just very much like Overwatch. And, um, each one is different, each one's unique, and each one you want to try and play with because you get a slightly different experience out of out of the game. And you're like mm. at the moment there's like it's all about learning how to use your ultimate abilities in conjunction with other people to kind of um you know, get get better experiences and stuff. Like, you know, with me it's like being able to throw being able to throw down a uh, like I got down to the, the final ring. And there was six of us, and we were defending a building. We were inside a building. These guys were outside trying to storm it. 
and we're sort of laying down fire and trying to keep them back and it was all very sort of battlefield and you know just all craziness and smoke and bombs going off everywhere and then i realized i'd never i'd never used my i've got like an artillery barrage as my kind of final ultimate move so i've just flung the door open just clicked the barrage and then closed the door again and then they just got all three of them in this tiny little <laughs> ring just got out we're inside the house just completely safe and they just got obliterated and then like one guy on my team just ran out and mopped up the me- the mess and took out the entire squad like the, the last remaining guys in the squad and it was just like that's it we won the game and that's how we won it just off of a really good use of an alt and i've seen so much of that stuff like people combining i heard one about um it was on the crate and crowbar podcast where essentially they threw down one of these um shield domes but then that obviously gives away your position but then what they they did is they used smoke they threw down smoke to make it look like no one was in there uh, someone might be in there but then used a zip the guy who has a zip line to quickly zip line out so that drew a load of guys into the shield to try and take someone out they were all waiting and then sort of took them out from a different vantage point and it's all these kind of like crazy maneuvers you can pull and and you're you know, it's, it's better when you're with people on comms, but you can do that with a bunch of randos just using the pinging system as well if, if you're in tune with the game enough. It really is. It really is a bit special. And, um, yeah, I'm just a massive evangelist for this game. Massive, massive evangelist for it. But, um, yeah, really excited to see kind of like there's a battle pass coming up soon, so they're going to be doing three-month seasons. Um, and there's also a Founders Pass, which I can't, I'm trying to cut, it's such a shame that Mark's not um, on the show, because he could tell me what the value is in um, the Founders Pass, because essentially it just gives you a load of coins to buy, there's two characters that aren't unlocked straight away. Right. Um, but also I think, it, I think it's, I'm not too sure how this works, but I want to I want to ask Mark, but I think it's something like you get the opportunity to unlock two extra skins or three extra skins for guns and stuff. But I'm not entirely sure how that all works. It's all really weirdly worded. But for like 25, basically, you punt respawn 25 pound and they give you a nice little kind of early bonus for the game, mm. which is pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's well, I mean, let's put it this way. To be fair, the game is way, way worth 25 quid of anyone's money. So, um, I'm thinking I'm I'm probably going to pull the trigger on that and then and then buy, <laughs> and then buy the buy the first battle pass as well, but um, and I'm a guy who does not buy DLC and I'm a guy who does not buy these kind of like map packs and stuff. So if that doesn't tell you that you know the game has something in it, then um, yeah. I don't know what does. And then uh, yeah, just following up quickly on the on the sort of um, shooters theme, um, my other game that i've been playing this week i've been in the beta for the division two and uh, yes. that was a little bit rocky i i have to say there was a, a very buggy uh played the first Ooh. mission four times had it crash on me three times um straight to desktop as well no kind of like no hard locking or anything it was just yeah it really buggy lots of texture popping lots of uh like smoke effects that just turned into big square blocks um yeah like lots of sort of you know you point your gun at the enemy and then he slides like a chess piece like two yards to the right you know where it's very laggy but 
having said all that, it's the division. It's very much the same as the division one. Um, once it, I gave it a, a few, a couple of days, and and it all those problems seemed to kind of semi iron themselves out a little bit. Played my way through the single player campaign. Did a bit of Dark Zone. Dark Zone is where that game will thrive because the Dark Zone. Mm. Whereas when you're wandering around uh, Washington DC, it doesn't feel as claustrophobic as New York because you don't have the tall buildings and the snow and the kind of doesn't feel as oppressive. It does feel a little bit more open and a little bit more accessible. But when you hit that dark zone, suddenly you're up against a lot tougher enemies. I mean, my cousin and I, we, we were going through and we got, a, you know, airlifted a few things out. And then suddenly we obviously we'd alerted a load of randoms who just basically chased us all around the dark zone for 20 minutes <laughs> and eventually slaughtered us. Um, but that's, that's, that's the division all over. It's, it, that's what that dark zone is all about. It's kind mm. of like you get in, you get your stuff, you get out and, or, mm. or you make, or you go around trolling other people or whatever, but mm. it's not. Does it feel more of a same then? Is it it more is of a same, just in different areas. It is a just... massive expansion pack for division one. Right. As far as it is, there, there is nothing different. You're still putting down the same types of gun emplacements and stuff. You're still putting down, you know, you, you've got your turret, you've got your, You've got a drone now that you can use for bombing runs and stuff like that. Um, there's different types of turrets. So you have a sniper turret and a, and a normal turret. Uh, what else was there? The only thing I did notice is that they used to have like a big med pack that you could throw down. And if you stood in the area of effect, it would heal you or your team. And that yeah. doesn't seem to be there. And I couldn't see anything. So I don't know if they've sort of taken that out to kind of make things a little bit more difficult for you and make you a bit more uh, a bit more cautious when you go into battle because the enemies do flank you a lot still. So that's st you've still got that thing of like, you know, you're hiding behind cover and someone's snuck their way all around the left-hand side of the map to come and just <laughs> shoot you from behind and that kind of thing. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of what Division 1 did well, but that's about all it seems to be. And um, I'm up for that because I really enjoyed the Division 1 and it's going to be the kind of chat room game that my cousin and I are going to just sit down and, and work our way through. Mm. But I can't see how it's going to be that much of a draw when you've got all these other big games coming out all at the same time. Well, this is it. It, was, it seems to be a finite number of people playing these games. It doesn't... I don't think we're increasing the player bases as such. Well, yeah, if you but... look at something like Destiny, which which is supposedly a juggernaut, <clears throat> and that's losing players and kind of, or at least, you know, ho holding station. Mm. You know, loads of people have disappeared off to Fortnite and, and Apex and stuff. Yeah. So Anthem and, and Division uh, have got to be doing something a bit special to kind of, like, find their audience. And I, I don't know if they are. Mm. It's going to be very interesting to see at the end of the year which one of these out of all these games like what kind of how it all settles out it's going to be really really interesting when's it out uh march i want to say march 15th oh, so we've got a little while yet there's an open beta coming out soon so i think that's the 5th of march some sometime around there it's not long no no it? no so it's out it's out pretty soon it's out pretty soon so uh yeah hopefully like by the time they get around to the open beta they've kind of Ironed out a lot of those kind of bugs and stuff that I saw in the, mm. in the closed beta, and 
yeah, hopefully it'll sort of prick up a few more people's ears. Because it it's a decent game, but like I say, it's more of the same. More of the same. Right, I've waffled on for far too long, so now you guys can say, because I've had my head under a rock for the last two weeks, so you can tell me everything you know about why Activision and Bobby Kotek are the devil and <laughs> that that's basically what it says on my list anyway mark mark says fuck activision fuck bobby kotek fuck activision fuck everything oh but nintendo had a direct and that was pretty cool oh uh, so f- well from what i understand activision announced record profits last year and then promptly sacked 8000 800 800 i think 800 800 staff and Bobby Kotek um, got a bonus of 28 million. Yeah, I think that's about <laughs> essentially breaks it down to. Um, so how much of thing. how much of this 800 this 800 people um, is the like Bungie staff and all their support staff going? So I mean. Bungie itself has obviously split away from Activision. Uh, so all Bungie staff themselves were safe. However, the studios that were owned by Activision that were supporting Destiny 2, obviously a lot of those have been uh, gutted. Yeah, so I think um, it was it Vicarious thing, Visions did the PC port, didn't they? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously all the marketing teams and stuff that were working at Activision um, will have been greatly affected. The main thing that they've gone for is um, the esports divisions in Blizzard um, and uh, mainly non-development teams. So like, like the marketing and PR and PR people like that, um, because essentially what they've said is uh, they've not released enough games this year and they, they need new games in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. So they're sort of pumping all the all their eggs into the development basket, but then obviously when these games are getting near to release, they're going to be wondering where all the marketing teams are to promote these games <laughs> that they've got. So, so one, one, thing cycle, I did, yeah. one thing I did hear was that it was a, there was a quote that was basically, we're now going to be listening to the to what the gamers want and giving them what they know what they want or something you know to that effect which i thought was very interesting considering surely they should have been doing that in the first place anyway it seemed a little uh little incongruous that like you know we're going to give the players what they want because we haven't been doing that for the last god knows how many mm. years yeah i don't know i don't know what's going on because i know call of duty sales were down on world war Two. Um, they've announced another single-player campaign for this year's Call of Duty. Right. So they're. Um, so it's also rumored that the next Call of Duty, except with Modern Warfare Four, will mm. come with the remaster of Modern Warfare Two and Three. Oh wow! Is oh, something right. I've I've seen rumored around this week. Um, so you can potentially see that driving sales up this year. Uh, pretty how it did when they released the original Modern Warfare remaster that. Does sound for a them. lot like someone is trying to beat a golden goose to death. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Call of Duty is a kind of now becoming the thing where they come out every year. It's the same game pretty much. Whereas mm. you start to look at games like Fortnite and Apex Legends and think, has first has the model changed? Moved on? Yeah. Well, has just yeah. games in general than the way you market and and the model for 
revenue generation has that has that completely changed and these companies are kind of scrambling to adjust exactly i mean and the other thing you've got to remember is destiny um bungie with destiny were tied into a yearly releasing strategy with activision based on that it was written into the contract that they needed to release a piece of dlc or a game every year Mm. which obviously call of duty is released every single year without fail you know every year there's going to be a call of duty come around Mm. So maybe Activision just haven't got the message yet that people don't want yearly content. They just yeah. want ongoing content. Just good content, mm. yeah. Yeah, good ongoing content, which, you know, it's taken Bungie a while to get up to speed with Destiny 2, but Forsaken was absolutely brilliant. And the ongoing stuff they've got with Forsa- with Forsaken and the annual pass now in Destiny 2, I'd be quite happy just to keep mm. that it's very much going to the seasonal content mm. that sort of Fortnite mm. premiered, really. I mean, yeah. the whole seasons that we're now talking about, Apex Legends and mm. stuff, Fortnite was the first to kind of formalize that into some kind of shape, that cut and paste shape that we're now starting to see across yeah. other, other formats as well. Yeah. I mean, it seems to have, div- when you look at it, the gaming industry seems to divide itself up into two main things where you've got the... Sh- First person shooters are either giving this service or you're coming up with your yearly updates. Mm. Or and then you've got the single player um games. And it just seems to have there seems to be a bit of divide yeah. at the moment and Call of Duty some stuff falling into the crack in between. The triple A space uh, has just got very, very murky and weird at the moment. And um mm. yeah, it's just interesting to see how these models will develop over time and and who will kind of because you i could see a lot of a uh, lot of big places like publishers kind of not necessarily for i mean you, you're looking at places like take two they've just released red dead and they're like kind of streamlining and cutting cutting staff and, mm. and that kind of stuff and saying oh well we didn't hit our projections and blah 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 and you know like big places like activision <laughs> are saying oh well you know we've had a record-breaking year and and you know, but we've got to cut an X amount of staff, and it's it's interesting to see that maybe there's this there's a shift coming, or or that we're in the middle of a shift, and that mm. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what shakes out as the new model for you know revenue generation. Yeah, I mean, games have been steadily increasing in how much they earn year on year on year, yeah. but it is going to come burst, a point where. Not necessarily burst, but one year it, they're going to not make as much money as the previous year. Yeah, yeah. There's got to, there's a saturation point where they can't get any higher, and surely we get into that point now because, yeah. like you say, games are evolving into sort of services, and they're getting many, more expensive as well. That's the other thing. Exactly, like, but how many games as a service? Can they actually keep on going? I mean, yeah. Got- how sustainable is that? Like you say, there's only an, there's only a finite amount of money. There's only a certain pool of money that anyone can throw at throw at this stuff. I guess. Yeah, I mean, we've got the division, we've got Destiny, we've got Apex Legends, we're going to have Anthem, we've got Fortnite, we've got PUBG still kicking around. Yeah, you've got to pick one, haven't you? Really? Or two. exactly one or two? I mean, I, personally, I can't sustain more than two, probably, which. I'm hoping will be Destiny 2 and Division 2, but who knows, Apex yeah. Legends might squeeze in there. I've stopped <laughs> playing Fortnite. So it goes, yeah. You know? Um, 
but it, it'll just be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it's gonna be mm. it's gonna be good fun. But yeah, like you say, um, it, like when you see, I mean, we all like games. We want to see the people who make the games do well and have the creative freedom and stuff, and you know, not have to worry about being hung out to dry every five minutes. And but it's just weird that game developers now seem to be in this unenviable position of like going basically always fearing for their job and it's mm. it's heartbreaking when it's a medium that you love so much to see the people who make it not you know getting treated this way and you just think well i mean if it was me i'd be thinking what why am i sticking with this you know i know it's my passion and i know i want to be involved but at some point you know this heartbreak's got in this kind of you know massive life-changing experience every time i complete a game you know, and getting laid off and stuff, that's got to, you know, it's got to take its toll at some point. And people mm. start dropping out of the games industry. And, you know, these are these are minds that could bring you the next big thing. And it's, uh, mm. yeah, it's, it's worrying. It is worrying. And um, I hope that, I hope it find it balances out and it, it this is just a bit of a kind of, bit of a, bit of a wobble. And um, yeah, yeah, we can, we can get back to, Bigger and better things, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And talking of bigger and better things, and better things anyway, um, Nintendo. Did anyone watch the Nintendo Direct? Because apparently, I did. I've, I've, I didn't watch it, but I did read the headlines, and um, that looked very exciting. Yeah. So Nick, fill me in, man. There was some Smash Brothers stuff that I didn't really pay attention <laughs> to because I don't play Smash Brothers. Because no one pays attention to Smash Bros. Exactly, no they one just go cares. On about the same character forty-five minutes in a dollar. So it's. I mean, the main headline, of course, is uh, Link's Awakening remake. God, um, I saw as soon as I saw that, I bounced around the room because Link's Awakening was the first Zelda game I I played uh, on the game on my mum's Game Boy. Oh. There you go. So, um, and I love that game, and uh, I've bought it. Uh, yeah, I've I've bought it the DX version and the, and the normal version, like in color, and and like the normal version. And yeah, it's 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 a brilliant, brilliant Zelda game. And to see that being made in that lovely art style, oh, it's it it looks so amazing, doesn't it? it? I mean, it can't come yeah. soon enough, really. Um, the the other, I suppose, big announcement was uh, Super Mario Maker Two. Uh, now that is massive <laughs> for me. I think that is that is the switch. That's the one that's going to move switches. It's definitely a system seller. What will be interesting is whether it'll just be a port of Mario Maker One with a few extra bits and bobs, or whether mm. it will be enough to justify a second, like a number two, rather than just a one point five. Yeah, will it? It's either going to go down the route of it being like Mario Kart Eight. Deluxe, exactly, was. yeah. And what? What's but the other one? Then again, it's still the definitive Mario Kart, and and still better than the original. Yeah, you know, so you can't. And you've it. you've now got new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe Edition, or whatever okay. that that terrible name is. They just keep adding <laughs> a word on at the keep end. Keep adding of suffixes, quick. Exactly. Bang another one on. Yeah. Stick another one on the end. Um. So that was announced, and they. Uh, Stealth released a game actually. They stealth released Battle Tetris Battle Royale. Yeah, now Tetris I've 99. been amazed by the amount of people on my Twitter that um, have basically paid for the online service <laughs> for Nintendo because well, everyone's going, "Oh yeah, this is me!" Like, "Oh, this is me!" I got to number two. Oh, I got to number three. Oh, I'm, I'm at number one. Look how great I am! 
and there's me just sitting there thinking that's great that's great guys but you paid for nintendo online why <laughs> obviously this is why yeah i mean uh, I, personally I, I don't have online um because why would you buy nintendo online but it looks a decent enough game, I guess. I'm not much of a massive Tetris fan. Uh, well, I, I enjoy <laughs> it. Mark but... say that he's been freaking out about Tetris effect. <laughs> yeah, um, but it it looks a decent enough game. I mean, obviously, there's 99 other people playing Tetris with you, and mm. when people get knocked out and stuff, they seem to have added some kind of abilities that you can throw. Uh, you can send. Um, different blocks and stuff to different people and you can kind of try and oh, knock okay. other people out by the looks of it um so i guess they've gamified it a bit uh, more than it, it normally is cool. um but yeah it like you say i i'm shocked at the number of people that seem to have bought nintendo online uh switch online just to play tetris yeah. um yeah it's quite amazing uh anything else uh, there was a lengthy segment about Fire Emblem. Oh, God, Fire Emblem. Oh, just... Right, so Fire Emblem Awakening is the game I'm playing just before I go to bed at the moment. Um, I've got it on my DS, and like every now and then I'll just pick it up and I'll I'll try and play a few boards or whatever. Mm. And that game is incredible. So if it's anywhere near half as good as that and it's on that bigger screen, that is a day one purchase for me because those games are, are brilliant. They really are well recommended. The only thing There's I so really took away from it was there is there was a house called um, the Leicester Alliance, I think, and I thought, isn't that a building society? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I've I've never played a Fire Emblem, so I it was another one oh, that I didn't mate. really pay much attention to. If I'm honest, that anime as you like, but also just on the right side of that kind of cheesy tongue in cheek. Um, sort of Japanese take on fantasy. Yeah, it's um, yeah, no, it's, they're, they're great. And like I say, it's all about the actual battle system and like sort of pairing, pairing up different people. And if you go hardcore, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure this will have the mode where you can either, you know, one permadeath basically. Mm. Uh, that's the kind of big thing about those games. But there, I know in Awakening you you had a situation where you could you could turn the permadeath off so you could just go through with the characters you, you think are cool and kind of keep them running so uh yeah oh, just fire emblem is just an incredible series and everyone should play it if they haven't yeah um so what was damon x machina because this looks like a rad like sort of mech game and anything that's got like rad mechs in it is normally something that draws me to it. Yeah. If it's good or bad. They, they didn't show a lot of it off, uh, if I'm honest. It was... I, the, I think they had a guy saying that it's in development and quite early on, but they're giving you a demo of it. Right. Um, so you'll be able to play uh, a few missions and a boss battle, I think it was. Um, and then just to give you a taste of how it will be. But it, it right. like you say, it was just sort of like crazy fighting mech things blasting around on screen a lot yeah sort of yeah bit bit bayonetary bit kind of yeah yeah just it just looks just amazing it's got that lovely kind of art style as well like kind of cell shaded almost art style that kind of never dates so yeah like i said rad rad robots and and cell shading um like that's two two massive ticks in my book (laughs) so so i shall be getting involved with that at some point um is that everything 
Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. There were a couple of little announcements, but they were mainly ports coming. Like I think uh, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice is coming out on Switch now. Okay, uh, which is an interesting one because Microsoft just bought the studio who developed it, didn't they? Well, there's this whole Microsoft like Xbox Live crossover thing they're doing with the Switch, isn't there? Well, yeah, it, it depends how much you read into it. But essentially, they're opening up the XDA, which is just an, a, a layer of APIs. Um, so it'll be, from what I hear, all they've committed to is sort of an Xbox app on the Switch. So you'll just be able to log in, see your friends online, check your achievements and stuff. Right. But then obviously that it paves like the way for potentially greater integration. cross-play and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, possibly making like partying up easier and stuff. Um, nice. But obviously it's first, it's baby steps, I suppose, isn't it, into making a better ecosystem. <laughs> nice. So is there anything else that you guys want to kind of talk about Game-wise, that I've missed, that we've missed, that isn't on the uh, isn't on the running order. Crackdown. Crackdown. Has, have you got involved with the Crackdown? I thing got yet? involved, I've just, but I've just seen the sales that met top ten. Did it? Okay. Well, there's been a lot of kind of from again. I mean, this is literally reading headlines, but a lot of people kind of um, poo pooing Crackdown three, and I'm, I know mm. Mark's been playing it. So hopefully, like next episode, yeah. we'll get a we'll get the Terry Crews loving. <laughs> About Ooh. um, about about Crackdown Three because um, I'd be interested to see because that game has been had a really interesting and strange development because there was lots and you know when in, when the Xbox One was first announced and they were touting the power of the cloud and everything was going to be you know all the physics were going to be offset to the cloud and it was going to be this like all single all dancing showcase for the Xbox and then it disappeared and then came back and it was very yeah. different to what they announced and all of that stuff was taken away or partially taken away. And yeah, it's had a really rocky, weird development and it'd be interesting to see from Ooh. someone who's played it, like what it's like, because apparently it's, it's a bit of a throwback and that's not necessarily a good thing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what Mark's got to say about that next episode. Yeah. 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 Right, well, that brings us pretty much screaming and kicking to the end of another episode of Laps Gamer. As always, uh, you will find us on Twitter, at Laps Gamer. Uh, you can find Assorted Video Nonsense over at Laps Gamer Radio's YouTube channel. And you can email us about anything you've... If we've said anything on the show that you think's absolute nonsense or um, that you've loved or you want to sort of check in with us and give us some things that we should be looking out for... Then, um, yeah, give us an email over at lapsgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can read any words of the stuff that we've written uh, about various different things to do with video games over at lapsgamer.com. So all that's left to say is thank you very, very much for listening. Um, and hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode. So from me, Chazzy, Nick... And Andy would like to say goodbye. Bye. Bye.